clear for takeoff once again welcome to jet fuel the jets discord podcast as always i am your party host joe rivera along with me is the world's foremost expert in hating breeze hall matt Salard, aka king sliz sliz say hello my friend Hey, hey, I'm just going to hit you with a let's go, man. Uh, yeah. a Robert Sala, a Robert Sala draft hype, man. First divisional win in, in I think, 12. We had 12 straight divisional losses. Like, feels good to get the monkey off the back. Feels good to put up a whole crap ton of points, man. We haven't scored points like that in a long, long time. Like, yep. Yep. Let, let's go, man. Yeah, awesome. and awesome and weekend. let's start there. Let's start there, Sliz, as, as we always do with the runway rundown. And you know, I don't know if you feel the same way, Sliz, but you look at this game, forty to seventeen. There's not a whole lot to take away from it, right? Because you you blow out a Miami team, and the good thing is that you're supposed to take care of business here, right? You're supposed to beat a team that's without its starting quarterback. You take out Teddy on the first play of the game, so now they're down to their third string quarterback. They're injured in their secondary. Both Waddle and Hill were dealing with injuries during the week. You don't know how much that hampered them on Sunday, but it, you you take care of business, right? And you and you the game is close. Yeah, you almost give it away, sure, but you lock it down the fourth quarter. You run the score of forty seventeen. You leave no doubt. You leave no doubt. And I'm appreciative of that at the end of the day. And. It's nice. The first point that I have on here, it's nice that Zach Wilson is not the talking point from this game because they didn't ask him to do much. He was a game manager. The the run game was working between Brees Hall and and Michael Carter. So all in all, I'm very satisfied with the win. I'm happy with the win. Again, I don't think you could take a whole lot from it, but what were some of your thoughts on the game from this weekend? Yeah, I mean, mean, quickly on Zach, there, there is a couple things, right? So number one, zero turnover worthy plays and really right. zero just like head scratcher passes in general right. no no real like nothing in the dirt not a lot off target just like very clean and and, and kind of just like zooming out for half a second right it's like hey this is this is a west coast offense right right the shanahan system is a west coast offense like this is what he's gonna do this is this is how the offense is supposed to work right and, and I, i'm i'm I was saying this earlier. I don't know if it's going to be an annual cyclical thing of like everyone trying to fire Michael Fleur after one or two weeks only to like <laughs> be heralding him by week five. Right. But it's like, this is how the system's supposed to work. Like Zach shouldn't have to do a lot downfield that he shouldn't have to do a lot of flashy stuff. You you get a guy like Zach Wilson, because if things do break down, he can get out of the pocket and then potentially chuck a bomb downfield and, and make some of those off script plays scramble right. on, third down near the goal line and and make a touchdown out of nothing. Right. That's why you get Zach Wilson. And, and yeah, like you said, not, not a huge talking point with him. Cause frankly, it was pretty good and, and he looks right. good. He looks decisive. He's reading, he's reading zone coverage on, you know, if he's got a two man combination on one side of the field, he's reading zone. Well, he's re- reading Manuel in, in the, in the pre-snap and, and the leverages that that defenders are putting on his guys, and he's putting balls where his guys can make plays on them. And that, I mean, that's all. That's all you want, man. That's all you. That's want. what you want. Perfect. That's that's really what you want, Sliz. And we're gonna get into some questions. We do have an Ask Sliz segment today, so we're gonna get into some of those questions in a little bit. But like you said, this is a Shanahan offense. This is the bones of a Shanahan offense. That's the scheme that they're running. It's gonna be run heavy outside zone. We've heard all about that. Um, and you're going to play off the play action. You're going to play off RPOs. You're going to play off, you know, all that stuff. So it's like this, what we saw on Sunday, you know, you hope the offensive line plays better ultimately, but that's what you want. This is what you want the offense to look like at the end of the day. You want it to look comfortable for Zach. You don't want Zach to be, you know, I understand that the Tennessee game last year got a lot of people out of their seats, but you almost don't want Zach Wilson to have games like that where like yeah. he's he's running for his life he's making plays outside the pocket because when everything's going right with the weapons that they have you know whether it's Garrett Wilson whether it's Elijah Moore whether it's you know even the tight end tandem which is starting to show a little bit more normalcy in the past game you want them to make the plays you don't want Zach to make the plays you want them to get open you want Zach to hit them but you don't want Zach to have to be the guy to carry the offense on his back 
Oh yeah, yeah, and that, I mean they've said that from the jump too, right? right. I know one of the the quotes with Sala is, "Hey, this organization is going to lift you up, not the other way around." And and we had the system, we've invested in the talent around them, and and especially if the offensive line can hold up like it did that this game, it's like, hey, we're we're in a good spot, man. We're in a good spot. You just go out there, let the guy keep building confidence, and just keep stacking them, right? Yeah, he's a young quarterback. It's going to take time to grow, right? And, you know, the good thing about Zach is that it's funny because, like, you want to talk about Zach when you have a young quarterback like this, right? You want to spend so much time, but there's really nothing to talk about. The, the one other point of emphasis here is is his so far through two starts. Again, very small sample size. I think he's one of the league's top-rated path passers from a clean pocket, top-rated passers according to PFF. So he's got like a 92-and-a-half grade from a clean pocket when he's kept clean. This, and that's indicative of – success right that's a dig oh, that's yeah. what you you want your quarterback to play in the pocket we've heard that we heard that from Salah last year and we heard that from before last year we want him to know how to play from the pocket first so the fact that he is so good from the pocket the fact that he's not breaking down the pocket and exiting clean pockets and and trying to make the big play all the time it's growth that's all you want to see yeah yeah and i think you know you talk about you touched growth you just threw that word out there man we're, we're seeing this team grow up before our eyes right very very young roster and and we we highlighted a whole lot of intangibles last week and and you're seeing where that you know we we talked a lot about culture a couple of weeks ago we talked about intangibles a lot last week man we're seeing a lot of that come through and like it's all good vibes when you're winning but it's like we're competing into and and crushing absolutely crushing teams in the fourth quarter a lot of that is just due to the belief that these guys have the energy that the guys have that our coaching staff brings a lot of it goes to our scheme and how effective it is i think too you know you talk about there was a lot of um a lot a lot of debate about the defensive line snap count and rotation you know there's a lot of people hey we 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 need more Brees. We need more Brees, which we got more Brees. But, right, like those two things in combination, those set you up throughout a game to wear the other team down. You're a little bit fresher in the fourth quarter rushing the passer. You're, you are you got a little bit more juice making that cut up field when you're running the ball if you're, if you're Brees or Michael Carter late in the fourth quarter because you've been sharing the load. It's like th- those things do matter, right? Those things do matter. And, it, and it's awesome to see how we're finishing games, even – yeah, this one was kind of a play from ahead effort. Um, I don't know. It, it's just great. It's absolutely yep. great. Yeah, it's that's the one thing that young teams, you hear it all the time. It doesn't matter the sport is teams have to figure out how to win, right? Young teams need to figure out how to win. And a lot of that is learning how to close out a game. And the Jets have outscored their opponents 79 to 20. And there's a lot of context that goes into that in the fourth quarter this year. But there's a lot of context that goes into that. But they're finishing and they're learning how to finish. And that's huge, man. That's, and, and that's can, a big deal. You can directly compare too, right. To, to kind of the two other teams in com- comparable situations that have been, been hot and, and drawn some eyes, but Jacksonville and Detroit, right. Those are two teams mm-hmm. that like they need to learn how to win games. Right. And, and certainly I'm not saying we have it all figured out, but I think we figured it out a little bit more right on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't know. I kind of shift into a different thought. I think one of the biggest kind of like backbreaker sequences in this game was that drive right before halftime, right? We give up that long, long touchdown drive with not a lot of time. And so I went back and rewatched it today and man, like it felt it, it felt like, Oh, this is a typical jets drive rewatching it though, man. Like we just had a lot of, we were close on so much there. Like it wasn't one of those, Oh, we got him to third and long and gave up a screen pass where they scrambled for like 50 yards. And then we blew a coverage. Like even on that, that long drive, we gave up, we had really two dropped interceptions. The one, the one hit Quan on the hands and then DJ Reed undercut that one on third and long that somehow Tyree kill just came down with. Right. And it's kind of, Oh man, you wish he'd just break it up. I know he's, he's kind of, seeing seeing stars in front of his eyes with the ball there it's like oh man just knock it down make him kick it and then we go into half feeling good but but then too there there was a pretty blatant miss holding call on michael carter the second on that that moster pitch play to the right where he ended up going for like 20 25 yards that changed the whole dynamic of that two minute drill and it's like man there there are all these things that kind of went wrong but it's like 
they were close, right? It's not like we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot at any point on that drive, really. It's like, hey, teams are going to put together a drive. You need to you need to work through it and and continue to to just carry on. And I think something different about our defense that we didn't see last year that we maybe didn't even see early in the season is we are forcing turnovers, right? It feels kind yes. of like that more modern, really more modern defense where it's a little bend but don't break in some instances, and it's hey, we're gonna we're gonna either hit you we're going to sack you and kill the drive or we're going to we're going to cause a pressure and cause you to throw up a duck that we can intercept or something right and and those those change games right it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to sustain drives but it's also hard to defend against sustained drives especially over the course of the game those those game changing plays whether it's a sack a turnover any of that that's we we've been so much better at that. It's actually unreal how much how like it doesn't seem like it's the same defense, and in large part it's not. We invested a lot in that defense. I mean, at at the end of the day, and you don't want to. I mean, I it's unfortunate to kind of umbrella this, but defenses are going to give up yards in twenty twenty two NFL, right? Because just of the, the way that yeah the rules are built, the way that these offenses are built, like everybody's going to give up yards. It's a matter of when can you get the key stop? When can you get the big stop? When can you hold a team to a field goal, not a touchdown? And coming out of halftime, what happens? The Jets hold them. The Jets hold uh, Miami. They don't give up a lead. They hold them to a field goal coming out. And it was on a very long, sustained drive. And like you say to yourself, like, okay, well, you know, you say to yourself, it's like, this is this is what you want from a team. You don't want them. To to give up to bend to bend and break right because they oh, yeah. they bent before half and they gave up the touchdown before half but then you're saying to yourself it would be so soj uh, and we don't say that on this podcast list it would be so soj if they blew the lead in the third quarter and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself well now we have to play from behind again they didn't they didn't the defense held up they they held the held the Dolphins to a field goal in the third quarter and all of a sudden you're feeling good about yourself heading into the fourth quarter yeah yeah I think. Thing in general, man, where you just like you feel the tide changing a lot, right? And and you, yeah, you you shouted out Brees who had a phenomenal game, and and there is, I think it was maybe in the presser on Monday, where he he was asked the question, hey, like, what's your favorite thing to do? Do you like to to run through a guy, or do you like a juke a guy out of his, out of his shoes? And he's like, man, I, I just want to win games, right? I, I just want right. to win. And it's like, okay, man, it's like that's freaking awesome, man. Like right. I, like. When things are when things are going good, stuff like that hits so much differently, right? Where it's like, okay, you see where it's like this attitude that we've had all along. Now it's building. It's like, man, these dudes are feeding off of each other. Right. So I, I forgot to mention at the top of this episode, this is a historic episode for multiple reasons. Number one, this is we've we've officially hit double digits, which is is huge in the podcast sphere. The last people that held the Jet Fuel podcast name. Uh, only made it like six or seven episodes. So shout out to those guys. We've officially surpassed their legacy. So that's nice. But it's also a historic episode because Sliz is going to have to admit something today. And it makes me it makes me smile ear to ear what he's going to have to admit in a little bit. But as a small precursor to that, I just want to say it's very, very nice to see Brees Hall show up on Sunday. Oh, 197 yeah. yards, a touchdown. Sure, he came up short on a couple plays. He was brought down at the one-yard line, I think, on like three plays. Should have been touched down, the long wheel route. There's another play. Uh, Zach hits him on the outside. That, that should have maybe he came up, at the, again, came up the one-yard line. But listen, when you draft a guy, and there is so much debate over, over this today, and again, I want to make it very, very clear, I understand where it's coming from. I understand the whole value thing. But when you're making that, draft pick around Brees Hall, it's because you think he can be a player like what we saw on Sunday consistently for, for the next four years. Oh, yeah. So um, it's it was excellent to see Brees Hall do what he did. And through the first five games of the season, Sliz, I've said it multiple times, he's learning. He yeah, is absolutely, learning. Absolutely, man. We we touched on that, right? And I know in a couple episodes that I critiqued, especially early in the preseason, early in the, the regular season, like, man, vision's got to get better. He's missing lanes. He's kind of hesitating, getting the 
and uh, Mark Sanchez on the, the the Sunday morning broadcast with the the Giants Jags game. They they had like a flashback to Saquon Barkley from a year or two ago when he's kind of getting he's tap dancing in the backfield, getting happy yeah. feet, right? And not that Brees is that bad, but it's like, oh, you you see a difference, man. He he isn't stretching plays out to find the perfect gap. He isn't just trying to run around everyone. He's like, oh, that hole's there. I'm hitting it. And and the the improved run blocking up front is helping there too. But yeah, he he is improving. He's way more decisive. And like you said, like if you if you're gonna spend big capital, big draft capital on a running back, this is this is what you want to see, man. You want him making game changing plays. And, and that that little kind of like screen rub throw on the the right near the end zone where he he makes the guy miss in space almost gets to the end zone like that was a phenomenal play he, he had to kind of contort his body get up field phenomenal play absolutely great right and i wish you want to keep his snap share his touch share is going up right him, right. him and michael carter have more or less flipped since week one in terms of touch share and, and i don't right. see that going the other way no and there was i wish i'd log the play but there was one play he handoff. It looks like there's not a lot of hole there. Starts, stops, goes right up the gut, picks up like nine yards on first down. And you say to yourself, like, that's the talent that they saw on him. That's the type of Brisa you want to see. Because there was a play that I know Michael Nania put out there and you put out there after after week one, I think it was a week two, when Michael Floor said, you know, we need to see him be more aggressive on those cuts and and it was a stretch play to the outside and you saw the wide open hole and he thought he could beat defender to the edge. And there was a wide, like, get your foot in the ground and get up field. And that's exactly what you're seeing from him now. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome, man, because I'm a very, very big believer. And I'm sure you feel the same way that coaching matters, right? Mm-hmm. You see it all around the NFL, all around the NFL. There's, there's so much bad football. Now coaching matters. Every, every look at the way that the Monday night football game between <laughs> the 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 Raiders and the Chiefs ended with Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams running into each other yep. on the on the final play of the game. That's execution. That's coaching, right? Oh yeah. And you see with this Jets team that there were some dumb penalties. There's been lots of undisciplined play, but you're starting to see that the coaching with this with this the staff it matters and it's actually making an impact on the team. Yeah, and it's super big too. Uh, I don't know. You're kind of critical of oh, some of the free agents. Maybe we overpaid. Maybe you know why? Why do we pay like a CJ Uzama? What you know, kind of these guys that are more or less cheerleaders. It feels like at times. And, um, I know we kind of touched on even in the roster cutdowns. It's like we did a really, really good job of not only okay, we believe in our coaching staff and our message. We are, we're aligned with our GM in terms of talent and scheme and all that we did a really good job of getting veterans in every single room that are, are kind of on field teachers as well. And, and I, I think you're seeing that show up in spades where just every single one of these young guys is contributing it, They're, they're ahead of the curve, right? When you have three, three first round draft picks this year, two last year and a whole, just a whole slew of high draft capital. And you're spending that you, like when you're trying to get out of the basement, you need those guys to contribute early and, and really cement themselves. And, and they've been doing it, man. And it's phenomenal. I think to put a ball in this Dolphins game, because again, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot to take from it aside from the team looked good. They did what they were supposed to do against a backup and a third string quarterback and, and cemented that win, which is wonderful. It's just a nice win overall, man. Like it's just a nice, like entertaining game, obviously, I know some people are still upset with the fashion of the game, the way it went. Maybe it wasn't as – I don't get the ugly win feel from the game at all. I think the Dolphins, once Skylar Thompson came into the game, they had to adjust their game plan because you saw them running all over the Jets at that point. And then the Jets really adjusted to it in the second half. So um, overall, just a nice win, just a quality win. It, it makes me feel comfortable moving forward that, okay – Whereas Pittsburgh, you're saying to yourself, you know what, this team is, Pittsburgh's just a bad team this year. We all know it. And you're saying to yourself, that's just an ugly game, even though it's on the road. You know, it's an ugly win, but still a win at the end of the day. Cleveland game, we've acknowledged them. Things had to had to go their way. They still have to execute the end of the game, but it's it's maybe it's not a game that you win nine other times out of 10 times that that game is played, right? So 99 times out of 100, you, you're not winning that game. 
999 times out of a thousand, you're probably not winning that game. But again, this this win versus Miami, it's, it tells me, you know what, the staff gets it. They're starting to understand that the coaching that the, the team, the roster, starting to understand the coaching matters is listening to the coaching and not a lot of negative you can take away from it overall. Yeah, and I think just in general too, like look around at teams in the league. Very few teams just blow out teams by halftime and stay in blowout mode the entire game. I just think it's very, very important to remember that a lot of games get like we're 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 taking care of business in the fourth quarter. Even think back to week one, right? We did not look good week one. It was it was a one score game for like two thirds of that game, right? And and we were we were more or less dominated. No one, no one's looking at that Ravens game saying, "Oh man, the Jets were right in it." Like the the Ravens should have absolutely blown us out by more. It's like, man, they 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 took care of us and, and moved on and went to the next week, right? We we did the exact same thing this week. We we and really it, it wasn't close when it was all said and done. Right, and and again, I want to bring up Monday Night Football real quick. Look at the Raiders. The Raiders went up twenty to I think it was 23, 20 to three at one point, and, the, and then the Chiefs cut it to ten, twenty to ten, and. And you say to yourself, you know what? Maybe the Raiders are turning it around. Maybe they can walk walk away with this game. And then what happens? The Chiefs and Mahomes come back and they win that game. And I understand that's Mahomes, but garbage time. How many times have you said it's less garbage time? Is only garbage time until it's not right. So, yep. in all, I think it's it's we can wrap up the runway rundown. There it was a good solid win for the Jets team, and it wouldn't be a win if it hadn't been for one player who amassed 197 yards and a touchdown and really emerged, maybe is emerging, continue to emerge week in and week out. And that's your number 36 overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft running back out of Iowa state. That is Mr. Brees Hall, who is this week's top gun Sliz. How does that make you feel? Hey, I will not, I'm never going to complain about <laughs> players playing well right <laughs> so i don't know I, I feel like lots of people live and die on draft takes and and you know every, everyone does to to an extent you want your take to be right and and hey man even on draft day i i typed out i here is all the logical reasons why a Brees hall can help right running back specifically it, it's certainly you feel like a shorter term move in terms of and the longevity you're expecting to get out of that pick but say you're, you're trying to prop up a young QB, you're trying to give him all the weapons possible. He certainly fills a void. Grant, granted, Michael Carter's been good in goal line situations, but he's definitely more of a bruiser than a Michael Carter type is. Um, I mean, he's showing up. This is this is exactly what you want, man. Like, right. it, I, I'll, I'll never complain about players playing well, especially right. when it helps us win. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, and my time on Jets Discord has opened my eyes to so much of this stuff, honestly, but at the end of the day, it's it's about finding good football players, right? You want good football players to play for your team, and you can talk about value, and you can talk about all these things. And I, again, I know you don't you don't agree with where Brees Hall was picked, but at the end of the day, if he can be a good player for you for four years and make a difference on this offense, that's what you want. That's what you want out of a draft pick. So honorable mention goes to uh, Sauce Gardner, who grabbed his first career. NFL interception, uh, a little help from John Franklin Myers. But listen, on the preseason show, on the the pre the season preview show, I made a prediction that Sauce Gardner will have three interceptions against AFC East opponents. That's number one. Yes, sir. That's number one. That's a good start. That's number one. So it's a good start. <laughs> We're off to a good start, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if Bailey Zappi is still in there by the time that the Jets play play New England in three weeks, but. Listen, if it's not Bailey Zappi and it's Mac Jones, Mac Jones didn't look good before his injury. So yep. uh, we'll see. We shall and, see. I just want to say Sauce Gardner should win Rookie of the Week, by the way. For, we'll see. Probably an uphill battle, but Sauce should win. Don't don't forget the safety, too, which – Right. Man, like – I know, I know we're wrapping up on the Dolphins, but I, we did get very fortunate in this game on a number of instances, right, where, like – I, I'm still not convinced that was intentional grounding. Maybe that's 
an unpopular take. I think it, if anything, I think it was maybe more of a fumble, but it's like, if you're going to say that that hit affected the throw and you're calling it a throw, then it's like, how do you call ground in there? I don't know. Like the new concussion protocol took Teddy Bridgewater out on the first game when he, like a week ago, he probably goes right back into that game. The next drive. Um, yeah, they were missing a whole lot of talent. It, like there, there were a lot of things that fell our way, but Hey, we, we did what you need to do and you capitalized. That, that goes back to what we were talking about with coaching where it's good, good game planning, good scheme. Like mm-hmm. sauce absolutely smoked Teddy. And I watched that play 50 times and I'm not convinced it wasn't a fumble. And, and it looked, it's, it's razor thin, man. It is so close. Like bringing it frame by frame, but you see sauce's helmet hit Bridgewater's elbow and the ball is locked, knocked a little bit loose from his hand and moving forward. Maybe he projects it forward, but listen, that was, it was a massive play. It was, it was oh, a massive yeah. play at the end of the day. And that game looks very different. Probably if Teddy's in there all game, mm-hmm. as opposed to Skylar Thompson and Teddy probably hits his receivers and, and Teddy probably has a better grasp of the offense overall, but that's why sauce is your honorary is, is honorary mention this week, honorable mention this week for top gun, because that's a massive play, and the interception is the icing on the cake, obviously, but still a massive play to me. So we move on on Jeff Fuel Podcast to, uh, for in, in honor of our 10th episode, the double-digit episode, we're going to open up a little Ask Sliz. So obviously we ask our compatriots on the Jeff's Discord to, to submit questions to Sliz here. So we start off with NRA Forever, who asks, what's up with Elijah Moore? He's consistently underperforming not only in yards and receptions, but also his PFF grades. Is it a case of small sample size, or is he not playing as well as he did last year? At what point do we get concerned? Yeah, so I'm not concerned. I do think that I understand the disappointment sentiment, um, especially last year where he was just like this Miami team last year. He absolutely tore up with with their, their elite corners. and. I think people expected him to be getting more targets to be getting more usage and I'm not worried. I, so I do think it's, it's worth saying like everything with Joe Flacco, the first three games, I think you just throw in the trash can, right? Where Flacco was staring down for lack of a better term, the middle of the field, he was getting it out quick or he was taking a lot of sacks. Right. And, And Elijah Moore was not playing in the middle of the field with Flacco. He's not playing in the middle field with Zach Wilson either, but um, our buddy Small Champ broke down. He's been working on a tool, breaking down snap, snap share targets, all sorts of that stuff, and being able to filter week by week. Since since Zach's been in, so weeks four and five, our pass catchers like it's it is literally like a perfect distribution where Corey I think has the most targets at seven, and then you go down the list: Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, Elijah Moore even CJ Uzama, both running backs. It's like every guy has like six or five targets, right? Like the, it's just getting, there's so many options. The ball's just getting spread around everywhere. And I think in general, we're, we're using a lot. Uh, we're running the ball a lot. We're running a lot of plays that are freeing, uh, freeing up dudes in, in a route combination with like Garrett and Corey. I think we're keeping a lot of stuff to single read uh, or single side of the field reads. Um, which limits, you know, if Elijah's working on the backside of a play, Zach's generally not going to get across to him, even if he's winning his route. So I'm not worried. It, it, you do want more, but it's like, man, when things are going well, it's hard to complain. Right. And, and he, he is winning routes. He's out there running routes. Uh, I think a lot of the usage that he could get manufactured is going to like a Braxton Berrios right now. And a lot of those end arounds and, and, wide receiver screens and that sort of thing. But it's like, man, if, if stuff's clicking well, I'm not going to complain. I'm not yeah. going to complain at all. I mean, two two real quick things on that before we before we move on to the next question is, number one, not to box score watch, but his line looks a lot different if he comes up with the, the ball that kind of wobbled out of Zach's hand on the right sideline that he dropped. And also the throw that was on the left sideline that his toes were out of bounds on. And all of a sudden you're talking about an extra – what, 45 to 50 yards on his line. And and nobody's yeah. really, you know, an extra two receptions and 45 yards. And nobody's really talking about his usage there. And we heard it from Mike LaFleur this season. He didn't like when the Jets were leading, leading the league in, 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 um, 
in passing, right? He, he said it. He wasn't, he didn't like it. This is a team. We just, we mentioned at the top of the podcast that they want to run the ball and everything will come off of that. Right. And when you're running the ball as effectively as they did on Sunday, Elijah Moore is not going to get the volume. Even Garrett Wilson's not going to get the volume. So uh, just something, it's not, it's not concerning. You just hope, I guess the hope for me is that Elijah is just cool with his role on the team and he understands and he seems like a guy who, who is so. Yeah. That's where it's good having, having good intangible, you know, good character guys. He'll get his, he'll get his, it'll come. It'll come. Right. So we move on to our next question, and I'm sorry because I'm going to butcher this name, and I read it every day. I'm going to go with Madigmeyer, and he asks, at what point, oh God, at what point do we start to accept that Brees Hall is the best draft pick anyone has ever made ever, obviously from a positional value angle, and start working out the terms of a third mega contract extension third. So we're not even, you know, we're blowing past the second contract. We're just going right to the third. If he continues to produce as a focal as a focal point the way he did against the Dolphins, do we need to reframe how we look at traditional premium positions like safety and linebacker against running back? And I'm watching Sliz wince right now, and it's it's funny. It looks a lot like the cringe emote on the Discord. But uh, Sliz, we can have some fun with this one. Uh, at what point will you will you accept that Brees Hall was the best draft pick ever made ever? <laughs> Man, I don't even—I don't even know what to the the first the whole first half of this. I don't even know how to attack, right? Like, <laughs> if this, if this dude is, is like, and I don't want to say Nick Chubb because that's such a high bar, right? I think Nick Chubb's the the best pure runner in football right now. But if he's giving you, and I use Nick Chubb as a comparison because like him and Joe Mixon are very comparable in terms of where they are in their career. They're a couple of years into their second contract. And you can see the contrast between a Nick Chubb and a Joe Mixon, right? Where Joe Mixon is hitting that running back wall, the the running back second contract wall, where he's starting to fall off a little bit. And, and I think, like, if Brees plays like this, he's going to get a second contract. You hope that it doesn't break the bank on us, right? But then you also hope that he doesn't hit that second contract wall. So I don't know if if, if he keeps doing what he did last week, I'm all about it, man. Just win games, right? Right. Um, kind of on the, the other side of this, a uh, safety and linebacker, right? And and he threw that in because those were kind of the two positions like, hey, we should have taken one of those spots potentially instead. And it's like, and, and we'll get this in a couple different spots, but w- me and Ank were talking about, or Ank was mentioning it earlier in the Discord. It's like it, there there is something to off-ball linebacker, especially in this scheme, and, and valuing it potentially higher than it has been valued over the past couple of years in terms of just everything that we ask our linebackers to do. And if you get a true three down linebacker, like a Devin Lloyd is doing in Jacksonville, where this dude can do everything. He can play in coverage. He can run sideline to sideline. He can rush the passer. Like Micah Parsons, even right. He was taken as an off ball linebacker and you ask him, he's been mostly an edge, but he can do a little bit of everything. Right. Those guys are kind of unicorns and they allow you to do so, so much on defense. So I'm going to leave it at that, but I, I, I did, did want to plug. I, I do think it is worth reframing a little bit line, linebacker value and, and running back value. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm never going to agree on on running back value early unless you're – I do think, and I've said this, I think a team like Buffalo Bills would have benefited a lot from Brees Hall where – where they're at in terms of their contract structure, in terms of their team and where they're at and, and built to compete and, and try to win for a Super Bowl, getting a guy, getting a premium guy that's going to touch the rock 15 to 20 times a game, that it that is meaningful on the margins, right? And, and giving yourself a better chance at getting that is huge. Right. stuff asks, one of our favorites. Oh, here we go. This is another one that's going to make it happen. With Vinny Curry practicing – and with first-round phenom, you have to say this, he says, pass rusher Jermaine Johnson tweaking his ankle and potentially being injured, what do you suppose his usage will be once he's activated? Is there a role for him in our defense beyond player coach we keep on the practice squad for emergencies? Man, I don't know. So Jermaine Johnson, rookie phenom Jermaine Johnson, uh <laughs> was in a walking boot it sounds like it's some sort of ankle sprain you probably assume he's out two three weeks um 
Man, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I still don't know why Vinny Curry is here. Like, he just seems so superfluous. I don't think you activate him. We, we have Martin and Huff that are, can platoon and, and fill the that snap share, which, which wasn't too large anyway. It was like 30% of snap share. So you get part of that to Martin on early downs and you give some, some extra ones to Huff on third downs. That That's all you do in my mind. And, I, man, I don't know what we do with Vinny Curry unless you're putting Jermaine Johnson on IR. Like, I'm not making another roster spot to carry another defensive lineman. Like, I, we, we can't have a roster of all defensive linemen. Like, I know we, we're rotating. I know we like we want to win with our four man rush, but I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Just we, we have two weeks to decide. He's still in his, his IR practice window. So I'm hoping. I don't know. I'm hoping JJ's just back in two weeks and we just cut him or keep him on IR or something. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think you see a better chance of crisper mother coming off the edge than than you see uh, Vinny Curry, but we'll see. Yeah. So moving on, <clears throat> Zach Daddy is back, a.k.a. Ketchup, asks, Michael Floor, a.k.a. Milf, used a lot more CJ Uzama than we've usually seen this week at about 40 snaps. How do you think the Jets will continue to use him? He's been used solely as a blocker, so do you think they'll give him more snaps to not give away run play? Yeah, so, and we kind of touched on this last week, and, and it was certainly true against the Dolphins, right? When the run game works, everything starts working off of it. We get play action going, you get RPOs going, and, and you just, in general, move the ball down the field when the run game's clicking, right? With our, our offensive line playing a little bit better and certainly at the tackle position, that helps where like you don't need to chip on every single play. You don't need to help. Max Mitchell's not out there where you're really trying to mask him and, and you're using the tight end to do that a lot. So I think Conklin and, and Uzama both had around the same snaps. I think they both had right around 40 snaps. Um, I, I think you do start to see him a little more, and I think the more comfortable we get with our offensive line holding up in general, and just like yeah, you know, the off, offensive play calling is iterative and it builds on itself throughout the season, right? Where you get trends on tape for a couple weeks, the other teams are looking at that trends, and then you're looking to build off of it, right? Leak stuff like leaking CJ Uzama out. In, into the flat, into the short, or, or even maybe pushing them up the seam a time or two, things like that will start to open up just as you kind of play that chess game as a play caller. And, hey, they're they're keying off of our tendencies, so we're going to add in a tendency breaker and leak Uzama out and try to catch him sleeping on, on the back end or something like that. And and if I, I will say we, we've run the ball a lot at the goal line, which I think has been good. But I think if we ever start using some play action, start opening it up a little bit, that's where I think you really start to see these tight ends get, get involved. So Fish Sticks, a.k.a. Fishbird, asks, this is a kind of a loaded question, but can you give us a rundown of Salah's fundamental defensive philosophy, particularly on the back end, and how our players' strengths, weaknesses, and league adaptation has caused the scheme to evolve? Yeah, so made me do some homework on this one. I really had to, <laughs> to watch back, especially this Miami game, to see if we did have any ten tendency breakers, which I don't think we really did. Um, so, so it's it's a cover three scheme through and through. So, in, in cover three, you're sprinting your two corners back, your your outside corners back. You have a single high free safety, and then you're playing your strong safety kind of down at linebacker depth. Um, if you have three linebackers, that means you get you have four guys down in depth. If you're playing a nickel, then then you just swap out a linebacker for your nickel, All right? So you have Whitehead playing one short flat. You have MC two playing the other short flat, and then you have Quan and Mosley in the middle of the field, right? And and that's your pass coverage. Um, for the most part, we're running that really as scheduled um, against Miami, and and Miami was an interesting game to watch for a couple of facets, right? They got, they have the, the fastest skill position players in the league at both wide receiver positions, plus running back with Raheem Mostert. So you did see us play, especially on third downs. You saw us play a little bit of too high shell. And, and I don't know if that's an adaptation because um, solely because of Tyreek Hill. I don't know if that's an adaptation because they had a rookie quarterback in. So it's kind of, Hey, we're going to force this guy to beat us. Um, 
in general, like anytime, and I noticed it more on Sauce's side, and maybe that's just because it's the plays I, I, I noticed, but like we played Sauce 10 yards off the line of scrimmage if he was if he had Tyreek on his side and, and the free safety shaded that way, right? It's just we are not going to get beat. We're going to get beat deep. We are going to force you to drive down the field, force you to execute every single play. Um, and, and where where this pays off, right, is in, in cover two and or cover sorry cover three in general. You're getting that extra guy kind of down near the line of scrimmage. We've seen a big jump in our run defense this year, and and I'll get into why Miami maybe that wasn't <laughs> so true, but getting that extra safety down near the line of scrimmage really helps your run support, especially with a guy like Whitehead who's always he's always triggering downfield flying in trying to make a tackle and he adds a lot of speed to that second level of the defense where we really don't have it with our two linebackers so uh just in general it i don't i don't know that we're adapting a whole lot you know we we talked about sauce gardner on that safety uh corner blitz is kind of just like a one-shot wrinkle was awesome and you like to see those tendency breakers i think we we feign a lot of pressure with, with bringing linebackers up, but I mean, we're running it fairly vanilla. I, I think on the back end, you've seen a lot of the communication sorted itself out and guys are just playing better in general, just playing, playing, playing better all around and specific to Miami and, and why our run defense maybe didn't look like we've gotten accustomed to the first couple games. They have Mike McDaniel. He was the run game coordinator in San Francisco. Excellent, excellent play caller. And, man, they stressed us horizontally, and that has a lot to do with our linebackers just not being able to cover sideline to sideline. And that's really all it is. They, they, it's probably our worst matchup in terms of how a team can attack us, and they just executed on it. But ended up not, not mattering in the end, but that, that's why they were able to stress us at the edge. So painful to watch C.J. Mosley chase everybody on Sunday, man. He just looks like a parent chasing his toddler around his house. It's just, it's brutal. It's brutal. Yep. This, the speed is just apparent, but you know, JJC asks, are you hyped for the coming weeks with us winning two straight? It's hard to deny that the Jets fan base is soaking it in. So I ask you, do you think we can exceed expectations this year? Have we already? Most of the Jets cords members said we'll be around six and 11 and seven, 10, uh, seven and 10. Do you think, with how we're playing right now, we can exceed the expectations the server has given us in terms of win totals. Yes. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I had us in, in my official prediction at eight and nine, but really the opportunity is right there for us. And and I'd say we we've definitely, you know, schedule is not what it seems in the off season. Right. And certainly we've had a lot of breaks just in terms of the injuries teams have had, us being I know we've had our, our share of tackle injuries, but like we haven't we've been relatively healthy one you know, we had the tackles and Zach. Zach's back. We've been relatively healthy otherwise. And if you look like like a team like Green Bay is, is certainly underperforming. A, a team like Denver is massively underperforming. Those were games that didn't feel like we had a, a snowball's chance. And I was like, man, we like we're riding high. We we those games aren't out of reach for us. So I know I had I had my bar at hey if we hit three wins by the bye, we're in a good position to kind of reach that seven and ten mark. Where man, we're already at three. Anything you get here, if we're if we're four and five or five and four, if if we're five and four, we're in the playoff mix. Quite frankly, right? If we're four and five, we we still have a good shot to make a push. I, I think absolutely. I think it would be a little bit of a disappointment if we if we end up like certainly at six and 11, that's a massive disappointment. Seven and 10, I think is still a little bit disappointment for where we're at right now. And just seeing how the other teams have shaped up on the schedule and, and the injuries uh, I was looking, once we get through that Denver game, you're looking at four of the seven teams that we played were without a pro bowl tackle due to injury. Right. And it's like, man, you, you there's no way you could have drawn that up to start the year. And that certainly helps with our pass rush and just our defensive philosophy. So yeah, I, I think it's right there for us, man. Just, just take advantage of it, man. Like just take advantage of it. Right. No one's going to feel bad. No one felt bad for the jets when they were running Luke Falk out there a couple of years ago. Right. So oh, yeah. just take advantage of it. Uh, Salty asks, sometimes it's spelled with an L at the beginning, by the way, but Salty asks very simple. Is Zach him? 
What do you think, Sliz? He's getting there. He's on track. I, I think he's going to keep building. I, I think he'll be good. I He's lo- certainly looking like the best class, best quarterback of the draft after his two-game sample this year. So, yeah, keep stacking, man. We talked a lot about Zach earlier. I, he, he just needs to keep doing what he's doing, and, and he'll, be, he'll be all right. I think he's the one, Sliz. I think I he's hope the so. one. I, mean, so. I just, you know what it is, and I don't want to draw this drag this question out, but in two games, you saw progress from him from the year before, noticeable progress that he's learning that you didn't see from Darnold, that you never saw from even Gino or 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 Sanchez. Like these are things that you, the progress is something that you haven't seen. So, and and he's I got t- that he's got the environment and the weapons around him to continue to grow, right. and he's got like a real NFL play caller, which like, yeah, the, like low bar, but yeah, like the it, it's there for him, man. It's all right. on him to just seize it. And, and he's getting better. Like you said, right. Ninjo asks, did you like our O-line set up last game? If not, how would that, how would you like to see us line up with the players that we have? I don't. And I know, every, I know AVT has been doing everything and plus some but i really just want him back at right guard man you see the shortcomings with her big in space uh there was a play where he pulled to the left and filled a gap and just got blown up blown three yards deep and it was a tackle for a loss on the running back so it's it 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 limits our ability to do certain things very well that we want to do in the run game in the screen game etc that said i'm sure we're just gonna keep rolling with it until fant gets back so I, I do want AVT back at guard, but especially with our, our two other options at right tackle being dudes that we signed off the street, more or less, I, I doubt we change it. I, I assume we just roll with this until, until guys get back. George or asks, what do you want to see the offense do more of screens, RPOs, deep shots, et cetera. What do you think? Sliz? Man, I've generally really liked the play calling. Um, especially a lot of our horizontal movement in terms of jet sweeps, in terms of bubble screens. I think a lot of that does good and stresses defenses. Um, I, I think the one thing, and, and I don't know if Michael Fleur has thrown like a single one of these is just like a traditional screen running back screen. And I think that could pay dividends like as soon as this week where you're playing a team like green Bay, that's good at attacking upfield attack. They have good edge rushers. They have good interior pass rushers. Like, I, I feel like that would help. And, and I'm not asking us to spam them. I'm talking like maybe one a game. But adding that wrinkle, and I'd love us to see us stress the seam, especially if protection starts holding up well. I'd love to see us just fly Tyler Conklin up the seam and take a shot, right? Do, do, do something to put their safeties – in between guys and take a shot to Tyler Conklin up the scene. That's what I want to see. But in general, and I said before, we're, we're running a West coast offense. We're getting the ball in our playmakers hands and letting them get yak. So I, I don't, I don't know when stuff's, when stuff's going well, it's hard to complain and, and ask for different things. Right. I think the one thing is, is the jets don't have a deep threat, right? They don't have the guy that can stretch the field vertically right now. I mean, we know Garrett Wilson has the speed and Elijah Moore has the speed, but they're not your classic deep threat. So, and that's a guy that the Jets can pick up in free agency for cheap. Just the guy who can can stretch the field. He doesn't have to do anything special. So, activate we'll Mims. No, I, I'm, <laughs> stop I'm, I'm it. Not, I don't even go. Stop it. <laughs> we don't we don't joke like that on this podcast. Let's come on, come on. All right, fitting that that was a fitting segue for our next user's name, Misery. Misery asks, with the firing of Matt Rule. Do you think the Jets will reach out to the Panthers for any players? Also, whose coaching seat is the hottest now? And not just from the Panthers, who would the who would be one non-QB you'd pay any price for to add midseason? Completely hypothetical. There's a lot there. A lot going on there, Sliz. Yeah, so if anyone on the Panthers, I think it would be good to ask about Jeremy Chin, but A, I doubt they move him, and B, I doubt we want to move for anybody. We're already kind of locked in terms of cap space and, and just capital in general. I doubt we're going to – I don't know. It, it's not the uh, it's not the Ozzie Newsome way 
to kind of push in in that fashion, right, and trade for players. I assume we keep our capital. If anything, I think this upcoming year is a, uh, one of those years where you, you look to trade back and get value and just continue to build up depth and turn over depth and, and things of that nature. So I don't, I don't think we, we really push for anything that way. Um, coach on the hottest seat right now, it, it should be Ron Rivera. He's been very not good. Um, that team looks lifeless, but I don't think it will be Ron Rivera to get fired first because I don't think that organization, I think the organization that being the Washington commanders is using, they need the good PR of Ron Rivera. I think they use him kind of as a shield. So, um, Hackett should probably be a one and done cliff should probably be gone after the year. I forgot to write them down, but Frank Reich, I feel like is as good as gone. Like, granted, they're they're somehow in the mix at two, two, and one, despite looking like an absolutely lifeless football team. So, man, if I guess if they limp along long enough, he he could stick around. But it, it after he lost his coordinators and Sirianni and Eberflus, that that team looks lifeless. Um, and then the last one, one non QB, I'd pay any or any price for mid season. Like the super totally unrealistic answer is any Pro Bowl tackle, right or left, right? Like, oh, it'd be sweet to have uh, Worfs, Tristan Worfs on this team right now, right? But I mean, that that's certainly never going to happen. I, I think you could get a good off ball linebacker. And not that I would ever trade for Roquan Smith, but if I could just pluck him from the Bears and stick him on this roster cost free. He, he would add a big element and help us in a, in a big area where we need help on the defense. So that's my answer there. Yeah. Ron Rivera has gotten by for a long time for being a good man, but a bad coach. Right. And, and those Panthers teams, like it's, there's a very, very, I don't know about if you agree, but there's a very inflated sense of what those Panthers teams were for, for a long time. And yeah. Like Ron Rivera, he he gained, you know, Uncle Ron, he gained that reputation for being Riverboat Ron, for pushing the envelope, for, but like, I don't know. They, they just like his teams never seemed, for, for, even for being good, they never seemed like that upper class of the NFL teams. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of people know. put that on Cam Newton, but I think we're seeing maybe it was Ron Rivera all along. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> It's just bizarre what's happening in Washington, really, because yep. we knew we knew that he wasn't a quarterback guy either. And it's funny because then he comes out and like have takes a side swipe at Carson Wentz. I know he was praising him too, but just yeah. a weird thing to say in that press it, conference. It, anyway, like, I feel like a forgotten football team. Which yeah. I mean, I guess when you rebrand twice in however many years that happens, but yeah, yep. the, they're just like a lost football team. <laughs> yeah, very strange. All right, our last question here on asks Liz. Sorry, Herb. Um, Stacking Dollars asks, should Connor Hughes ever be allowed to attend a Jets game again? No, man, I've been following this because all, <laughs> all the beat are, are flaming on him, right? So he, I think we're 2-0 and without Connor Hughes at Jets games. So, I mean, no, it's just like Daniel Jeremiah, you better pick against the Jets every single week, right? <laughs> like Connor Hughes just always go – he he's going to giants games and the giants are winning. He's not going to jets games and the jets are winning. Like don't mess with the mojo, man. Just keep, keep it rolling. Right. <laughs> All right. So that'll do for uh, ask Sliz. Um, you know, we always appreciate the questions as always. You can reach out to us and we'll, we'll drop the, we'll drop all the stuff later, but uh, all right, let's move on to this week's geek of the week. Sliz. I think we're pretty in agreement here because and this this goes out. This one goes out to our favorite fan base. Not really Miami Dolphins fans. Okay, and and listen, that life takeover. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack here, right? Some of it is Twitter is a cesspool, and you should never buy into what you read on Twitter. It's not a real place, but. So much of there's so much hypocrisy there too, where Dolphins fans were pounding their chest after they beat the Bills. Oh, injuries don't matter. Injuries are doing, and the first thing they talk about is pulling the injury card after yeah. the Jets beat them. Right? Well, Teddy was out. Well, Tua was out. Well, everyone was hurt. Blah 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 blah. I don't care, man. I don't care. Go out and win a football game. 
Yeah, you're not going to find sympathy from Jets fans, man, with all the injuries no. we've had. We've been a bad team, and we've had so many injuries the past few years on top of it. It's like, I, like you said, we, we've had to roll out a Luke Falk. Right. <laughs> we, we've been there, man. We rolled right. out Mike White and Josh Johnson last year, man. Right. You know, like we, it, Joe Flacco this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, yeah, like you said, the hypocrisy, off the high of the Bills game into this game, it's just like, Come yeah. on, man. Just just yeah. move on. But yeah. always good, always good to be able to to finally be able to take shots at opposing fan bases, getting a divisional <laughs> win. Well, right. we, we take those. Right. All right. So this is the flight plan. Let's take a look ahead. For me, and you hate to to take it week by week and say, well, this week's a measuring game. This week's a measuring game. But I look at week six at the Packers in Lambeau Field. The Jets can't beat the Packers. They can. They don't have the wide receiver room that they've had in years past. They don't have that number one guy. I mean, when you have to worry about Randall Cobb more than anybody else, like, you know, Romeo Dubs is is decent. But on top of that, Aaron Rodgers' decision-making has just not looked typical Aaron Rodgers this year. So He doesn't trust anybody on that roster, man. Right. I mean, Rodgers is a guy who's always taken the smart play. And even when it's not the smart play, if it's a low percentage play, he'll find a way to get the ball in there usually. Right. So I haven't seen that from him this year. And his PFF grade agrees with me, too, where, you know, he's still an above average quarterback. Zach has a higher grade this year than than Aaron Rodgers does. Thank you very much. But uh, and we know that there's a lot of context that goes into that, obviously. But this is a game that the Jets can win. And it's another one of those stepping stone games. Can you can you hold down an elite quarterback on the road? Yeah. I think they can do it. I, I think so too. And and a lot a lot feels like it's just going wrong for the Packers. And like feel like the locker room dynamics are weird. It's like it's one where if we're a serious team, at minimum we should be competitive, right? And and it's one where you hope you can steal, kick a team while they're down, and, and ruin their season while catapulting ours. Um, like you said, and, and I'm kind of glad we had that cover three question because this is a team I feel like you play super vanilla cover three, and it's like you rush four, and it's like, man, you got to beat us somehow. I don't know how, right? Make them beat us. Um, something I touched or I, I highlighted in the discord, we, we had a lot of will parks this week and three safety looks. And a lot of that was kind of as like a, uh, in between safety will linebacker hybrid type role. Um, and really where I noticed us using against the dolphins was where they were using the, the double running back look green Bay is going to run a lot of that, right? Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, they're all in the same tree. They're all running similar offenses. We just got a good look of how a team's going to try to attack us that runs a similar scheme. You're going to see that same probably plan of attack, but with much less dynamic wide receivers that we w- we don't have to respect them as much. We probably don't need to play a lot of cover two, too high safety look shell. You're gonna you're gonna play Whitehead down. You're gonna use Parks, bring him down potentially. Uh, if they're going heavy or you're just going to have MC two down there and man, you're, you're going to have to, we're going to make them have to drive the field. They're probably going to run a lot and, and probably stress us to the edge with Aaron Jones. Uh, like we saw last week, but I, I, I think we got a good glimpse. I think we match up really well on defense, man. And, and on offense that, that that's a talented defense that is very much underperforming its talent. Um, it's the best pass rush duo that we're facing all year. So a test for our tackles, but I think we just do what we we've been doing the past couple of weeks and, and we pound the rock, we get the ball out on schedule and, and we put them on their heels. I think, I think we pound the rock a lot this game. I don't think we, I don't think putting it all on Zach's shoulders to win the game is a winning formula here. Right. And I'm, I'm with you on all counts. The one thing I will say is I do feel like, this week you're going to see a little bit more Zach trying to stress the opposing defense with his arm a little bit. I think that we are going to try and pass a little bit more. Jair Alexander is good, but I just get the feeling that they're not going to stick with the run game as much as they did last week. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, but we'll hey, see. I, th- I think they might put this game in Zach's hands a little bit more this week. So, something and and 
not I don't certainly don't watch a lot of Packers games, but since they were the London game, got to kind of see him uh, on national TV there. Rasul Douglas in the in the nickel looked off. He 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 was awful for them in that game. I think you you if we're gonna air it out, you get G Dub on him, Garrett Wilson on him, and you just attack, 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 like. Whether it was getting burnt for a burnt for a play or committing a boneheaded or a bad penalty, like Rasul Rasul Douglas was getting cooked, man, by by the I Giants mean, with no wide Daniel Jones Daniel with Jones. nobody, right, right, yeah. and and that's why, like, I, that's why I have, you know, I don't know if that's the blueprint. I don't think it's at the that's the blueprint, but I mean, it was Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, man. I mean, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I don't know weird stuff happens in London, but like. Oh, yeah. They they have literally nothing else like Darius Slayton. That's it. I don't I don't know. So I, I do think that this is a game the Jets can win. And it's gonna be a tough ask. Like we said, Aaron Rodgers is a goat. Good talent on defense, two strong running backs. Uh Matt LaFleur game planning. Maybe he he goes to the run a little bit more this week. We'll see. But it's a game yeah. I think the Jets can win. Yeah. Yeah, can't let Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon beat you. And you can't let Rashawn Gary be a game changer. I, right. I think you you take those two, take those away on each side of the ball. And you know if, if Romeo Dobbs beats you, if Qu- Christian Watson, who's done absolutely nothing this year, beats you, like you just tip your hat and move on, right? But you can't let them beat us with those two running backs. And and Watson's hurt, so yeah. and he got a little banged up in that game. I mean, I don't know if he's going to play this week or not, but. We'll see, man. We'll see. It's going to be a very, very interesting watch for sure. So, uh, Sliz, let's bring it in for a landing, my friend. This is the landing strip. Ooh. Ooh. What's on your mind? Yeah, man. I was having – I was, like, eating way too many chocolate-covered strawberries earlier. I was like, man, I need to take a break. These are too rich. Getting a stomachache. What's your favorite dessert, man? Or, like, if you have a spread, what are are you you going for? Are you – you know – I'm a I'm a cheesecake guy personally. Ideally, ideally single sauce, like pretty no frills cheesecake, just traditional cheesecake with either a, a nice caramel or a nice like raspberry drizzle or a key lime pie. Like those are top two for me if I'm if I'm out somewhere. Like where where's your head at on dessert? So I love that it's documented that I'm a huge Italian ice guy. So I love an Italian ice. Man, nothing hits quite like an Italian ice. And we actually just discovered that there was a place that was in Elizabeth, New Jersey, that had opened up a second location like 10 minutes from where we live. Okay. We're like, hell yeah, man. Like, this is awesome. So we just discovered that towards the end of summer, which, you know, it happened before summer. We wouldn't have fit into bathing suits. But yeah. um, I don't know, man. I, I just I, I love an Italian ice. I love chocolate mousse. I'm huge on chocolate mousse. Big chocolate mousse guy. It's got to be right, though. It's got to be right. I, yeah. I just, I, I just, uh, there's so many chocolate mousses that are just like, it's pudding. It's just pudding. A chocolate mousse is not pudding. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I have a lot. I love, I love a dessert. I love a good dessert. So fair, fair enough. What so I didn't going? have a, I didn't have a landing strip thought written down, but I've been playing so much of Skyrim again lately. I don't know why. Um, okay. I love, I love Skyrim. I have a ton of fun with Skyrim. Just want to get away sometimes and slay some dragons and stuff. So I guess my landing strip thought would be, can we hurry up with Elder Scrolls Six already, please? <laughs> like, this game is never freaking coming out. I, I just I don't understand what's. But I, I mean, I do understand what's taking so long. It's because Bethesda has no problem just pumping out the same game over and over yeah, and over how, again. How many times have you bought Skyrim? Good question. <laughs> Too many? <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, the thing is, like, I used to be big on buying games and then trading them in. Okay. And then I would just rebuy the games later because I'm an idiot. But like, yep. so if we're talking like how many times have I bought Skyrim? It's probably like three times. Okay. But I've only bad. I've only bought two separate versions of the game. So I've only bought the original release and I bought the special edition that came out on like Xbox Series X, Xbox okay. One X. Yeah, so, that's not bad. Man, uh, I don't even know what their edition. Like they they have coined every single term that you can yeah. for like a re- remaster, re-release, anniversary right. edition, extended. Yeah. Like <laughs> they've come up with every term under the sun for that game, man. I love some Skyrim, man. It's it's a ton of fun, and I know a lot of people are more in the Oblivion camp. I don't know. 
I don't know. Oblivion was cool too, but Skyrim grabbed me like like Oblivion did. So yeah, I guess that's my that's my landing strip thought for the week. That's where I'm at. Hey, all good, man. <laughs> all right. So that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, it's obvious you've already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now Pandora, which I didn't know they did. They hosted podcasts, so you can find us pretty much everywhere. You can find us on Twitter at Jetfuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you at? Yep, find me at Sliz underscore NYJ. Uh, you can always send us an email at Jetfuel Discord Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and join the Discord too. We have a lot of fun, as Dick indicated today. Lots of fun with all the takes on Discord. Sliz, how can the people join the Discord? Yep, discord.gg slash nyjets and man it's a good time to be be a new fella in the discord had had a guy pop in today where he's like i'm hey uh, i'm getting excited about the jets wanted some dudes to talk about it with right it's, hey we love that we love new blood so come on in come chat we'll have fun we're accepting of everybody breeze haters and breeze believers there's there's you know civil war will brew at some point and then the discord will split in two but you know, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel. For Matt Salard, I'm Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without Jet Fuel.